On today's episode, we interview Lisa Hansen and Blair Osler, and they are going to talk to us about Flourish Therapy. For those of you who are patrons of our show, just so you know, some of your money goes to this organization. So you probably want to hear more about it. It's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, no, they're they're doing a great thing out there yeah. in Salt Lake. We will be right back with that interview. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. Hey, Virginia. Did you know the law protects patients from surprise medical bills? Insurance companies and hospitals post cost information online. You can request a good faith estimate three days ahead of hospital care. Know your rights as a healthcare consumer. Visit controlyourcare.com to learn more about patient-focused healthcare laws. Controlyourcare.com can help empower your healthcare decisions. Paid for by the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Latter-day Lesbian, the podcast about an ex-Mormon gay girl just trying to figure out her life. Mm Mm-hmm. That's you, Shelly. That's not you, Mary, but you're Mary and I'm Shelly, and welcome to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, just want to make sure everybody's role is clear here. Yeah, we've got an awesome interview coming up, so I want to bust through some stuff really quickly. Can I jump in? Oh, you got some announcements. Yes. We have booked our tickets for Utah Pride. That's the 6th and the 7th of June. Mm-hmm. Also, you know what? We had someone write in inviting us to their wedding that was somewhere <laughs> around that weekend. And I can't remember where I put that information because I suck and I need help. If you are listening, <laughs> these people, please write in again or send us a message and be like, that was us. And then I will bookmark it somewhere because we'd love to try to make it to your wedding if we can make that happen. Huh. It'd be interesting to try to fit that in with pride. We might be coming like nasty in t-shirts and giving away wristbands, but, you know, that is what you get. As long as we can watch (laughs) Young Love. That didn't sound good. (laughs) And like a kind of a voyeur kind of a way? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) All right. Nothing's off the table. No. um, Lots is off the table. Okay. okay. All right. (laughs) We'll talk later. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So before we get to the interview, you wanted to do some busting on a certain university. I'm about to bust ass on BYU, (laughs) people. What happened there? Oh, my God. They're the worst. You know... Everyone had a little hope. I didn't. Right? Okay, let me just let me just throw this out there. Okay, throw it. So here's an article from the Washington Post, and this is February 27th or 26th that came out, okay? And it says, BYU removed its longtime ban on homosexual behavior. Yeah. So everyone's all excited, like, yeah, oh my gosh. They're excited. The, the honor code, they got rid of the part that says homosexual behavior. So it's like... Oh, shit. So the LGBTQ plus population can now be held to the same standard as a straight population, meaning mm-hmm. no premarital sex. Okay. Cool. That's fair. But like, they can hold hands. They can hold hands and kiss. Like, that was what everyone was thinking. That's what honor code officials were saying. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you can look it all up. I'm not going to play all the recordings and things, but we, we have this. Okay. Mm-hmm. I made a comment saying many Mormons and ex-Mormons are cheering for BYU removing its ban on homosexual behavior. And then I went through and was like saying, this is not progressive. It's 2020. Why is this even something that's, you know? It's like throwing LGBTQ plus population a frickin' bone. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crumbs because they don't know. It is. It's crumbs. So used to just getting slapped in the face that a crumb is like amazing. I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you so so much, BYU. Yeah. And... It was interesting because so many people are like, you know, we got to be happy for the small steps and be appreciative. And this is a cause worth celebrating. And I'm like, I'm not celebrating. It's shameful that they're even celebrating something so tiny, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. that should have been done years ago. For sure. So everyone's celebrating. The gays are lining up BYU and kissing on campus. And it's great, right? Mm -hmm. It's fun. (laughs) Give it a couple of days. I think it was like a week or two, maybe. And... Something new comes out, and it is from the church educational system, which runs the schools, right? So this has to have been approved by the top 12, or by God. (laughs) Right. Quotations. To students, faculty, and staff of the church educational system, recently the language of the principal-based church educational system honor code was updated. So they're talking about removal of that homosexual paragraph. Those adjustments included significant doctrinal and behavioral matters that have led to much discussion and some misinterpretation. Oh, Uh-oh. misinterpretation. Yeah. Okay. Out of respect for all concern, really respect, uh-huh. really, we are providing the following clarifying oh, statement. Also, not all concerned. They're leaving out a lot of concerned people. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. One change to the honor code language that has raised questions was the removal of a section on homosexual behavior. 
the moral standards of the church did not change with the recent release of the general handbook or the updated honor code. There is and always has been more to living the Lord's standard of a chaste and virtuous life than refraining from sexual relations outside of marriage. Lasting joy comes when we live the spirit as well as the letter of God's laws. Mm-hmm. Fuckers. A foundational doctrine of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ is that marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of God and that the family is central to the creator's plan for the eternal destiny of his children. That's from the family, a proclamation to the world. Uh Which is funny because it's like when you think of what's doctrine, it's like what's scripture, right? No, this was just some fucking write-up that they did back in the 90s. They call, they're loose with their doctrine interpretations. So here's the part that I had to circle and post about. Same-sex romantic behavior cannot lead to eternal marriage and is therefore not compatible with the principles included in the honor code. Boom. Boom. There Sorry, it is. gays. We dangled that carrot and then we yanked it away. Yep. We made you think that you could be yourself without fearing losing your education. Uh-huh. That you could just relax and hold hands with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. But no, no. Actually, that doesn't lead to temple marriage. And so, no, we will still kick your ass out if you do that. This blew up huge. Mm-hmm. Here's what sucks. So much of it sucks, but I always feel bad for people who trust that the church is going to do the right thing because 9.999% of the time out of 10, mm-hmm. they won't. <laughs> and Well, they think they are. They think they are. It's their interpretation of what's right, right in quotes. Yes, and it's bullshit. And so here's <laughs> these trusting people thinking, yes, this church that I've grown up in. They do look out for me. They do, they do care me. about me. I'm going to be able to be accepted by my family mm-hmm. now, too, because the mm-hmm. church accepts me and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Wrong. The church sucks ass. The organization is a piece of shit. There are good members in there. There are good people in there. The leaders suck. They're homophobes and they are not good people. I don't care that they're a thousand years old and maybe they're just old school. Mm -mm. Nope. Sorry, sorry, sorry. If you're going to claim to speak for God, you cannot be homophobic, bigoted, racist, or sexist. They're not loving because they're not loving to everyone. Yeah. Put this in perspective. They are retracting. Yeah, that's the almost the worst part. They're saying you may hold hands, and now they're saying you may not hold hands. Yeah. Who the fuck gets to tell me if I can and cannot hold hands? Uh-huh. That's it. Uh-huh. So now these LGBTQ plus students at BYU who were so relieved that they didn't have to be looking over their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to hide. Didn't have to were. hide. They could just hug even their gay friend. Like, if you look gay, yep. which is obviously a big stereotype, but if you look gay and, and you subjective. hug someone— Yes. And you hug someone who, in quote, looks gay, you could be turned in now. Mm -hmm, Again. mm -hmm. Again. Yeah. So now every LGBTQ plus person is like, what the fuck just happened? Carpet pulled out. So here's something that I wanted to point out that I saw that people talking about. They say because it doesn't lead to temple marriage, it goes against. Right. So what about, for example, some of these wives of prophets were previously sealed to other men, and then they get married to a man for time only. Wait, is that against God's law? Maybe. Because that's not going to lead to temple marriage, because they can't, because they're already sealed to somebody else. (laughs) What about if you go on a date with someone knowing, you know, he's just not my type? Right. How about those drives up Squaw Peak to make out with someone that, you you know, you're not going to marry. It's just for a little Nickmo, right? (laughs) Do you need to go report yourself to your bishop because you were part of something that doesn't lead to temple marriage? Right. What if you're a dude and you're dating like four different chicks? You're not going to marry all of them, at least not in this life. What if you're a chick dating four other dudes? Yeah, you're not going to marry all of them. (laughs) So you got to go turn yourself in for three of the dudes that you were dating that you didn't marry? It's so ridiculous. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mormon church, not that you're listening, just make it even. If you want to say no sex before marriage, cool, whatever, do it. But you can't have it different for LGBTQ and for straights. You can because you're a private university. It just makes you dickbags, just so you know. Well, and just having it like okay for a couple of weeks and then saying, psych, we're going to take that away again. It's so heartbreaking. It is. And it's I feel so, so heartbreaking. Bad. And there were also protests from the asshole BYU students yeah. saying, we want our university back. Right. We want the gospel. We want to stick to the doctrine. It's like, oh my gosh, how That's about— That's why. They caved. Remember Jesus mm-hmm. and he taught love? 
period, end of story. Yeah. Yeah, I think they forgot about that Jesus guy. I know. It's just heartbreaking to me. Yeah. So my word for any of you BYU students out there, I stand with you. Mary stands with you. Another thing I was going to say, people say, well, if you don't like it, just leave. Why are you going there in the first place? A, that's a rude-ass thing to say. Sure. B, a lot of times people don't understand, come to terms with their sexuality until they're in their early 20s, late teens, early 20s. Mm-hmm. That's college age, people. Yeah. So say you're two years into BYU, right? And you realize, oh, shit, mm-hmm. I'm gay. Right. Now what do you do? Do you leave and lose all your credits because it's a it's pain in the ass to well, transfer good luck to BYU? Getting some of those credits to transfer That's into like thing. a real you, you, college. Right. Try transferring <laughs> study of Book of Mormon to a real school. I ain't gonna happen. Is uh, that a real class? Yes, I took Book of Mormon. <laughs> the, yeah, it's bullshit. They have they have <laughs> they have um missionary prep. Like That's a class? Yes, it's a college credit. <laughs> Shit ain't gonna transfer. Sorry. So you get two years in, like, oh, I'm gay. You gotta graduate at that point. Yeah, you've already paid for two years of school. Like, you're gonna lose it if you go somewhere else. You're, <laughs> you're gonna fucked. have to start over pretty much. Yeah, she's supposed to like stand to me like, well, I'll just go to a different school. Mm-hmm. Tell a 20-year-old to go to a different school that has no money. Mm-hmm. Another thing. So many parents out there, and parents, by the way, fuck you for doing this. <laughs> so many parents say, I will pay for your school if you go to BYU. For sure. If you go to anywhere else, I won't. Mm-hmm. And I understand BYU is less expensive than most schools. But mm-hmm. you could say, here's the dollar amount I have to pay for your school. Go with it where you want. Right. But most of them say, BYU and I will pay anything else and you're on your own. Mm-hmm. So you have this parental pressure mm-hmm. on kids, teenagers in early 20s. Yeah. So to and say, well, please just their leave, it doesn't work that easily. Because yeah. they want to please their parents yes. and do the right thing, do the upstanding Mormon thing, even though inside they're like, I feel different. Yeah. I don't know what to do. So here's all those kids that have finally felt like, oh my gosh, it's okay. BYU accepts me. I can be myself. I'm not going to have sex because I agree with the honor code. I want to be true, valuable, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be able to hold hands and it's going to be great. And, you know, and after I leave BYU, I'll see what I'm going to do with my sexuality or marriage, whatever. Mm-hmm. For two weeks, maybe it was a week, I don't remember. They were like, Ah, mm-hmm. birds were chirping, <laughs> life was good, they're yeah. holding hands, they're harps so high, like... yeah, harps were strumming, what do you do? <laughs> I don't know, it's harps. And then, wham, punch in the face. Uh-huh, I know, that's heartbreaking. I'm yeah. sorry, kids. I know, it's a rough lesson to learn, kiddos, you can't trust the church, you yeah. really can't, especially yeah. when it feels like they're being progressive. Right. If they're not 20 years behind it's not them. It's not them. <laughs> they tried it for two they, seconds. They tried it for two seconds. Like, no, we'll, we'll look back at this That's again in 10 more years. Yeah. yeah. It was in 2005, I think it was, when uh, Massachusetts allowed the first gay marriage. So it's been a while. So how long has it been? Someone math me on that. <laughs> I guess it's about 20 years. Yeah, it's been a but while. But not quite. So maybe BYU will try again in a few more years to be more progressive. Maybe. Wow. Well, and those poor mixed up kids that are torn between the pressure from their family and the church and how they actually feel inside and their struggle to be authentic, Mm -hmm. a lot of times these teens want to do something drastic because Mm -hmm. they're so confused. They're so heartbroken. They're they're all mixed up. They feel worthless sometimes. Mm -hmm. They feel like they're not good enough. Mm -hmm. And... That's why we need Flourish yes, Services. Yes, beautiful segue. This Thank company, you. this organization has been amazing with what they do um, in Utah and spreading outside of Utah as well. But, we'll, you know, we should let them talk about it. Yeah. But we are grateful, especially when shit like this goes down at BYU. I know. And we recorded this before this all went down, but I can only imagine that when we talk to them again, they'll be like, wow, we had quite the influx right? of students that were just freaking out over this withdrawal of the progression. Yeah. 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 And because of where they're situated and how tied into the Mormon community they are, they're really a welcoming space Mm -hmm. for Mormons and ex-Mormons alike, Mm -hmm. honestly. Because a lot of times you get these Mormon parents who have a child who's struggling in one way or another, Mm -hmm. a lot of times with LGBTQ issues, and they actually are a good sort of um, bridge, I think. Yeah, between the parent and the child. I really do Mm -hmm. think so. You get that from them. Like, they're not against Mormons. Right. They're not separating the LGBTQ community from their parents and saying, you know, we're taking sides and this is what's going down. No, not at all. No, they're really working towards getting everybody to listen, Mm -hmm. getting uh, more empathy and understanding in these situations. Yeah. 
I was really impressed with them. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. So why don't we take a break and then get to the interview when we come back? Okay. Does that sound good? I love it. All right. We will be right back. We are supported by one damn good brew, apostate coffee. Specifically, the lesbian medium dark variety. A delicious roasty, toasty blend that's sure to make postal workers in remote Mormon towns super twitchy. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, we have a firsthand account of that one. Sure do. This yummy java is roasted in small batches, so it's super fresh the moment it arrives at your doorstep. And hey, it's named after us, so that's reason enough to give it a shot. I know it. So ditch that grocery store crap and give the lesbian blend a try today at apostatecoffee.com. Mm-hmm. We are back. So, Shelly, we have special guests today. One of them is Lisa Hansen from Flourish Therapy, and that's a nonprofit organization in Orem, Utah, designed to meet the needs of LGBTQ clients in the Mountain West. And as most people will remember, as part of our Patreon tiers, all of those levels go to help support Flourish as one of our causes. So they are near and dear to us. So at the end of the year, we donated. Yeah, I wrote her a check. Yep, you wrote her a check. I mean, more like online transaction. Yep. Seriously, who does <laughs> checks anymore? But yeah, paid the money from the people who had been paying us, and it yep. felt so good. And then we just started chatting, and I'm like, yeah, we are definitely contributing to the right organization. Yeah, so sure. we didn't just pocket the money, as it turned out. I mean, we- it was tempting, because um, <laughs> we got bills to pay. Exactly. But but yeah. We were on the up and up, and we wrote the check to Flourish, and then you started a conversation with Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. She told you how many people it actually could help, like how many therapy sessions that money from our patrons mm-hmm. could go to help in counseling. Yeah. I think, I think that was, was like fantastic. 10 sessions, and that's amazing. I that's... know. I want to double that at least this year. Okay. Patrons, sure. if you're listening, we're doubling that. Yeah. So your 10% is going to a super great cause. Yeah. So yeah. Lisa Hansen, we're going to turn it over to her in just a second. We also have Blair Osler. You want to introduce Blair? Sure. I am on Blair's website. Ooh. She's just this cute brunette. I can't help. I mean, <laughs> come on. I'm a lesbian. On, what can lesbian. I say? What cute brunette. Blair Osler is a philosopher specialized in queer studies and is a leading voice at the intersection of queer, Mormon, and transhumanist thought. She's an author publishing her first book, Queer Mormon Theology and Introduction. She is a board member of the Mormon Transhumanist Association, the Christian Transhumanist Association, and Sunstone. We were on Sunstone once. That was pretty cool. We got yeah, interviewed. Yeah, that is Enjoyed a that really one. cool experience. Yeah. Blair is also an artist and poet and spends her spare time hiking painting, writing, and bickering with her friends about almost any topic imaginable. Blair and husband Drew reside in Utah with their three children. I don't know how Blair has any free time, actually, with a bio like that. Seems like there's a lot going on. You make the time to bicker. Like, that's, that's <laughs> oh, that was the I'm thing right, that you yeah. picked out that was, you know, the thing that was like, wow, she has all these other things to do, but she does make time to bicker. I know. Still. I mean, <laughs> when you have children, you have to prioritize. So I think you and I make time to bicker, To too. bicker with each other. Are we Fighters or are we lovers? We're a lovers. Little of both. A little okay. of both. Let okay. me. Can I read Lisa's <laughs> yes, real quick too before we um, turn some questions loose on them? Here's Lisa's bio. She sent this to us via email, so it might all be a lie. I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> <clears throat> Lisa Hansen, PhD, LMFT, is the clinical director and CEO of Flourish Therapy, a nonprofit organization based in Orem, Utah. I used to live there. Designed to meet the needs of LGBTQ clients in the Mountain. West. Since 2010, Lisa Hansen has focused on LGBTQ behavioral health, hiring 10 other therapists who are interested in the same work. In 2016, she was invited to be a continuing participant in the Reconciliation and Growth Project, a think tank of conservative and liberal therapists and academics forging ideas to bridge divides in the LGBTQ therapeutic community. In 2018, Dr. Hansen won the Outstanding Counseling Supervisor of the Year Award from the University of Utah, and in 2019, the Ally of the Year Award from Affirmation International. Dude, that's badass. That's so nice. cool. I'm, like not, I'm not done. I'm not oh, done. Oh, there's, there's more. more. Badass. Okay. okay. Is there bickering involved? I'm going to add it if there's not. I'm almost to the end. Dr. Hansen has given dozens of academic and continuing education presentations nationally and for universities, clinical mental health organizations, community mental health agencies, conferences, and more than 70 community presentations 
articles, and podcasts. Although Latter-day Lesbian will for sure be her favorite. Absolutely. Dr. Hansen lives with her husband in Payson, Utah, where they are the parents of seven children seven. and 16 grandchildren. <laughs> Who the heck has seven children? Uh-huh. That's uh-huh. crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. By the way, Lisa, I also have seven children. So <laughs> just so you know, I'm not picking on you. Yeah. Those are the- She um, knows all about that. I was all, I was all about it. These are the lovely ladies that we yeah, have so on today. Welcome, Lisa and Blair. So happy to have you on our show today. Thank you so much for having us. And I, I just have to say, although this is not the nature of bickering, we are so grateful for your support. When you uh, contacted us and said you had cash- it just made my day. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you're welcome. And thank you to our patrons. And then I actually contacted Lisa because I had a few questions because we had been getting some emails from minors, so under 18, LGBTQ plus individuals who were listening to the podcast and were feeling kind of they don't know where to go, what to do. They're being raised in very strict Mormon families. They're gay or what have you, and they just feel stuck. What do I do? And as podcasters, we know we can't kind of jump in and and do well, we're anything. Not licensed therapists. We're not. We're. I mean, we you know we play them on the podcast, <laughs> um, but we're not. And especially with youth, like we don't know what we can and can't do. And we'll talk about this later. But it was so nice to be able to ask Lisa, "Hey, help! What do we do when these kids contact us?" And she just gave us all this great information. So thank you for being so willing and open to help us with that, Lisa. That's amazing. Excited to be part of your questions. Mm, all right. Yay! Welcome to both of you. So how do you want to kick this off, Shelly? Should I just start firing questions? Fire away. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. I know that a lot of people just want to go to counseling because they feel like they need therapy. But why do you think it's important in your field to have a focus on LGBTQ clients? Like, do they just have different issues as other clients would for therapy or, or what? What have you experienced? Well, I'll start off and then I'll let Blair say something about what she's uh, thinking about this too. But just like you pointed out, there's so many people who really don't know where to take themselves. A lot of places that people normally just talk about life and talk about what's going on for them are not safe for young people to just sort of explore. Or they start talking about it and they get judgment back. And we're talking about normal things like what people like and how they look at life and what's happening with them. And They open their mouths and all of a sudden they get pushed back in ways that people don't. That's Mm. really the main issue uh, is just not even being able to to live a normal life. Right. Even me as a grown adult in my 40s, I had gone to a therapist uh, and I I was already out of the church. I was just sort of talking about my things and inside I thought I might be gay. And I kind of hinted toward that to my therapist but I was already ashamed of it so much that I instantly redacted that and went off with something else. And it wasn't until I had a therapist later who was a gay man that I knew I could trust and knew that he would understand that I felt open to really be honest with how I was feeling. Is that maybe what you're seeing there? Yeah. You're, yeah. That first mm-hmm. therapist didn't pick up on it, didn't say, mm-hmm. hey, this is something worth exploring. It's like that therapist didn't want to touch it. Right. Yeah. What does that tell you? It tells Left me you hanging. It's not safe to talk about it. Yeah. Right. Left me in a heterosexual marriage for like, gosh, probably four more years after that. Wow. Well, and you know, I'm not a therapist, but I've been to therapists. I mean, it doesn't seem like the point to go to therapy is to have someone tell you what you're supposed to do or who you're supposed to be. I mean, part of it is just exploring that on your own with a little help, right? I would think all of it is about exploring it with a little help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like you get to decide. That's the whole point of life, right? Right. And in this space, it's safe enough for you to think about it. Yes. I was never in a space safe enough to think about it being born and raised Mormon in a very, very like traditional, strict Mormon family where the word gay wasn't even mentioned unless it was being ridiculed. And so there just was no space. And I had been to LDS therapists, but there was never the comfort of me saying, I might be blank. You know, it was just, we're not even touching that. So Blair, you've been through therapy with Flourish. So what's your experience with that? Well, um, just a couple of thoughts came to mind while you were talking about it. One of the most important things for me, I've been to multiple therapists before, um, being a queer Mormon myself. 
And um, one of the most important things about exploring myself in a safe space was just having a therapist who was LGBTQ literate. There's a severe lack of literacy within a lot of therapists' office, and just that lack of literacy itself kind of closes the door to talking about things because you end up being your therapist's educator on everything that's going on in the culture and things like that. And the beauty of Flourish and what I have experienced is that I don't have to come in and educate my therapist. (laughs) My therapist already gets it. And so I get to take the steps of actually exploring myself in a safe space without having to sit and educate. I went to a therapist once who, when I told her I was bisexual, her next question was, when did you think you were bisexual? And I was like, Ooh, ouch. I don't think I'm bisexual. I am uh, bisexual. Yeah. Okay, this is our last appointment. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the biggest thing for me is just finding someone who's LGBTQ literate. And that already in and of itself does wonders for being able to have spaces to explore what's going on with yourself. I love that because as a client, it's not your job to go to the therapist and teach them how to treat gay clients. Exactly. (laughs) You know, I mean, who's paying who here? Exactly. Um, Oh, wow. That's a great point. I know when I went to my therapist who was gay, I just was at ease. I felt like I could say anything and there would be no shame. There would be no questioning. Like, are you sure you're gay? Because it's just a normal thing. You know, it's not this thing that I'm just not sure about. So Lisa, what are some typical issues that LGBTQ clients experience? It's interesting when you're trained as a therapist, they teach you about all kinds of things that are like inside the person about anxiety and depression. But when you are working with LGBTQ population, it's mostly things outside the person that are causing stressors to the person. Mostly what we do and what we start out doing is just validating all of the difficulties that a person experiences in daily life here in the Mountain West. Wow, yeah. Um, (laughs) Once somebody knows that actually you can talk about all those things and nobody's going to say, are you really sure they meant that that way? Or are you really sure that's a difficulty? Just dealing with the sociocultural stressors is one of the major things that people deal with here. Do you think that's tied up a lot in the Mormon culture there, that kids who are raised LDS, it's not a safe place to come out? Very strong impact on Mm -hmm. the, um, the stressors that young people have. But that's probably true in any culturally conservative area. Sure. Whenever people feel like it's actually better to be hetero, uh, people are going to have trouble. Yeah. Yeah. If a kid comes to you or a young adult, whatever, they come to you and they say, I'm Mormon, I'm also gay, I'm very depressed because I know I need to be straight and I just want to stay celibate and straight. Can you help me not be depressed? What do you do with that? Well, the first thing you do is ask them what makes them think that their life will be better if they're straight and let them just talk that out because that's Mm -hmm. in there. Yeah. And then some part of them wants to believe that maybe there's room for something more, but they won't be able to make room for that until they talk it out. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing with therapy, from what I understand, you're not there to say, you know, stop being Mormon or just be straight or, you know, that's not your job, right? Your job is to help them come to their own conclusions. And to help them look at all of it, the the things they're most afraid to look at may be the thing that's going to actually save them. So what kinds of therapy sessions seem to be helpful to your clients? First of all, just being able to talk and talk about anything and feel like their experiences matter, their past experiences matter, their frustrations matter, their hopes matter. Getting in touch with themselves about actually all parts of me can be seen as good. Uh, that's really what it's all about. Yeah, that's got to be challenging right there because first of all, you're dealing with a kid potentially who's been told to be a certain way their entire life and then they come to you and they might have serious self-esteem issues. So being able to look at themselves as a good person when they don't feel like a good person. Yes. And typically, by the time someone's 12 or 13, they're already recognizing there's something about themselves that's different. And so what I typically see is in an 18-year-old or a 17-year-old, 16-year-old, there's been a terrific split in their personality. There's part of them that's very obedient, very able and willing to ignore their feelings. And they're like the peacemaker in their family. They're often the one that the parent doesn't have to worry about because they're always doing something good. And then there's a second part of them that has never been looked at. So Mm. they, they have this awful split in their lives that they don't know how to heal or integrate. Wow. 
I can totally relate to that. I was not raised Mormon. I was raised evangelical Christian, very similar. And I just hid who I was. Mm -hmm. I hid who I was from all the religious, super religious people in my life that could not accept that about me. Mm -hmm. And it's still a battle with my mother because she thinks I'm going to hell and we'll just never see eye to eye on it. And that's easy for me to deal with as a 50-something. But when, you know, you're 17 to 19 years old dealing with coming out, I mean, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying because you don't have the support and you have to hide who you are. It took years years for me to reconcile two sides of me. Mm. Yes. And then sometimes kids get accused of being deceptive because they weren't honest about it from the beginning, but nobody wanted them to be honest about it from the beginning. Gosh. So they're accused of being like liars and deceptive when they're just not telling about that other side of them. You can't win. Yeah, you can't win. You can't win. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Well, and then there's the even deeper side of like the self-deception where you have to even come out to yourself first because Mm. you can't even acknowledge this thing about yourself because you can't even realize it as a possibility. Right. And I feel like one of the helpful things about going to a LGBTQ literate therapist is being able to explore those limitations and boundaries in your thinking like, oh, I'll be happier if I'm hetero. Well, why do you think that? Let's explore the boundaries and limitations of your thinking that make you think that this is the one thing that's going to be the thing. Yeah. If there were anything, like just from the beginning of your question with the kid who asked, I'll know, I'll be happier if this. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Lisa hit the nail on the head. Why do you think that? And let's talk it out. Let's find out the the whys behind that. Right. And that's probably something that they would be afraid to discuss with their family because the family would give them the answer. Like, there is no why. Of course you'll be happier being straight because that's God's plan. There's no discussion there. At least for me, growing up very strict Mormon, there's not a discussion to be had. There's right and there's wrong. There's black and there's white, and that's it. So for a kid to be able to talk and have more options and think, well, why do I think this? Oh, well, let's discuss this. Gosh, that's, I wish I would have had that flourish. Where were you when I was younger? Well, and the other thing is if you're a kid and you're hearing your entire life that God would be happier if you do X, Y, or Z, then, you know, your first day in counseling, you're like, am I an evil person? Because I don't feel like what my family is telling me God wants for me. Yep. That's why they get very, very good at not paying attention to their own feelings. Mm -hmm. Until all of a sudden it becomes too much. And then we see too many of them thinking more about suicide than about, you know, declaring, look, I can't live like this anymore because they're so used to not paying attention to their feelings until it it just can't be held in. And then it's a crisis. Oh, so, okay. So I'm understanding this a little better now. So they hide the feelings. Finally, the feelings come out and it's overload. Like, I can't handle this. I can't function. It would be better off if I didn't have to deal with it. Exactly. And many of them say, look, if I can just make it time 18, then I'll move away and my parents never have to deal with this. I'll just hide it from them because I don't want them to be disappointed in me. Mm -hmm. And really, that's the motivation for some of them to consider suicide is so their parents will never be disappointed in them. Wow. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. I mean, it makes total sense, though. It's heartbreaking on so many levels, but also because this child's intent is that they don't want to hurt their family. Well, and you so want approval. We all there. want approval, and that comes from our parents. That's our first relationship where we yeah. get approval. It's like my mother still doesn't understand why I need her approval. You know, why does it Kids matter? Kids always need it. Of course. Yeah. We always want our parents' love and approval. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to go your entire life where your parent is thinking that you're hellbound. Yeah, it's <laughs> You brutal. know what I mean? It's brutal. It is brutal. So— How much does religion play into these therapy sessions? Is it all tangled up with God and what the church thinks of me? Well, and I'm sure, Lisa, if you were doing this in the Bible Belt, it'd be the same thing, but just a different religion. So, you know, we're not ripping on Mormonism. It's just these very strict, high-demand religions that have very harsh, strict rules. Absolutely. And even when it's not talked about, it certainly is still there as a factor. And what makes it difficult is we're not just talking about how to live this life. The, uh, the, yeah. the undercurrent is this is, you know, your eternal life. And even for kids who are starting to question whether the religion has the answers for them in this life, they still have something they would call a belief in God or in the plan of happiness. And so they have to untangle what what is my pathway with the God I believe in, who's answered some of my prayers and who has 
been there for me? How do I recreate my relationship with this God so mm. that I can actually not loathe myself in yeah. relationship with God? It seems like they would need to take the God that they've been taught and then change that to a God well, that they could actually love. I was going to say, can we just officially rewrite the plan of happiness? Because I feel like it's just not big <laughs> enough. Yeah, it needs to be inclusive of everyone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What a great idea. I'm going to send a letter <laughs> to Salt gonna Lake. I'm going to rewrite. Okay. It's going to be a new proclamation. We're going like to fix it. it. I like it. <laughs> well, I think you're touching on some really important topics, too, about this idea of expanding our theology to be more inclusive of yeah. queer folks, because Mormon theology does have a lot of strict limitations for queer people and where queer people fit in the plan of happiness and what that looks like. And shameless plug, that's what my book is about, yeah. is, expanded, is expanding the theology to demonstrate, look, if we want to open our arms and our eyes, queer people fit in this plan, we just have to relook at the story. Yeah. And I think that we'll find that when we have more options, at least within the Mormon community, when we have more options for people to engage in their faith in a way that is self-loving, self-promoting mm-hmm. in the sense that, like, I'm not a bad person for being queer. This is a gift from my heavenly parents, and this is a good thing, that yeah. you'll see a lot of those other problems, uh, like things like suicide ideation going down, because correct me if I'm wrong, Lisa, but suicide ideation uh, often comes from, I think, the idea of just not having options. You keep seeing closed doors, closed doors. There's no more choices left. This is the last resort. As she pointed out, in Mormon theology, we're talking about all eternity here. We're not just talking about a, a minor problem. And so if we don't open up our ideas of considering possibilities for eternities for queer people, we're really doing queer people sort of service. So it's not surprising why they would end up in therapist's office considering, well, there's no ethical way for me to exist authentically in this faith community. Right. And of course, therapists don't bring up God in therapy, but clients do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when clients do, it's super important to take them seriously, to ask them to examine what's going on. And as Rollo May said several decades ago, famous psychologist, it's always important to keep looking for the God beyond God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finding out who God is for you. And for LGBTQ clients, it's actually a very individual journey. They're pioneers in finding what their plan of happiness is and then yeah. clinging to it. I love it. I wanted to real quickly back up a little bit because I'm interesting to know, Lisa, how you became involved in the LGBTQ space. Yeah, the space, because you've been doing this for a while. And I can't imagine when you started being a therapist, there were a lot of LGBTQ issues. What made you kind of take that turn? I have tried to formulate a good answer to this question, (laughs) but it feels to me like almost it just got put in my head that this is the issue that LDS people have to wrestle with in order Mm -hmm. to understand where God is taking us. That it really is about uh, how do we make room for people we're not making room for? And Mm -hmm. how do we see them differently as one of us rather than as the other? Yeah. Do you think that, because I know like the generation that my dad's in, there's just, I'm not going to say no hope. I would never say that. But for some reason, my dad's generation is still pretty gay is wrong, evil, wicked, whatever. Do you think the next generation, you know, my generation in the 40s, and then you've got your millennials. Do you see hope for that changing? Or is it just hard when you have the men leading the church still kind of stuck in this old ideology? I absolutely see hope. I look at the generation of my grandparents and mm-hmm. how racist they were. Oh, God, mine too. Wow. And yeah. how awful it was. And yet they just didn't seem to be able to bridge that. Mm-hmm. I think every generation gets better at seeing other people as people. Yeah. And we are right in the middle of of it being like not just certain groups, but everybody. It's like an explosion of, wow, your insides are like mine <laughs> instead yeah, of right? being fundamentally different from me somehow. And yeah. I, I believe that will only get better. I hope so, because here's the thing. If the LGBTQ community keeps sort of being pushed out of the LDS church, the future road shows are just really going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> as well as the music. Right? Hello? I know. <laughs> hey, Blair, what do you think about going forward with the LGBTQ issues within the church? 
Oh, I definitely agree and that I see hope in the community. Mm-hmm. So much hope. I'm I'm a millennial. I consider myself an elderly millennial. Right on. Um, you claim that, honey. I do. I do claim it. I do. <laughs> but um, I definitely see a lot of hope in the younger generations, too. And even, like, I follow a bunch of uh, Gen Zers on Twitter, and yeah. I just can't believe uh, the, the optimism and power and strength in the way in which they raise their voices within the faith community, saying, mm-hmm. no, there is room for me, just giving that gentle but honorable and reverent pushback that's persistent and says, no, we're not going away. We're still here, and you're going to eventually have to deal with us sooner or later. I loved what you said, Blair, about feeling like God or your heavenly parent believes you're good, like made you this way and celebrates who you are. I think that's fantastic. How do you convince the top leaders that that's true? Well, I have a, I have a three point formula. It's going to work out great. Um, you can make so much money selling that. I'm telling you. I know. I know. Honestly, I feel like it comes most from personal interactions. Mm-hmm. Like it's really hard to be able to get to a personal interaction with someone who's in high ecclesiastical authority. Yeah. But um, it does happen from uh, the moments of just what you do within your own families, how mm-hmm. you are treating each other, and building those bridges, and eventually it spreads and spreads and spreads and gets to the point where people in your own family are going, hey, wait a second. Do I want eternity in the celestial kingdom if my family can't be there? Is that even celestial glory anymore? And so eventually you start this rippling out effect to where the brethren will have to deal with, you know, Mm -hmm. even straight people coming around and saying, no, we want our queer family members in heaven too. You guys are going to have to figure something out upstairs because this isn't working. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that because again, if there's no gay people in the celestial kingdom, how boring. How like, unfabulous. How unfabulous. <laughs> and I agree. It feels like people tend to be so cookie cutter. And when people on the fringes get pushed out, I just think that's sad because there's so many good people who are on the LGBTQ spectrum, whatever we're calling it, that end up leaving. And they have so much to offer. I know for me, it took me leaving the church and getting sort of that hate out of my heart for gay people because that's what I was taught was basically that, you know, gay people are going to go to hell and they're trying they're to They're ruining the traditional family. Uh, yeah, I'm ruining the traditional family <laughs> with my, my agenda of sleeping in and snuggling, like, yeah, and having pets. I had to actually get that hate out of my heart. And it was interesting that once I had released that out of my heart, I suddenly started being attracted to women, and I suddenly started becoming who I was, which goes back to what you'd said about how the kids live these two separate lives, and then suddenly all the emotions hit, and then they recognize, oh my gosh, I think I'm gay, and it's too much. Thankfully for me, when all that hit, I had already left, so it didn't matter. I wasn't worried about going to hell at that point. You know, I've left the church. I I don't need it. But I do hope for the sake of the LGBTQ people who are raising it and have, like, a family there, you know, culturally Mormon, that they can find peace and acceptance. And not just that. I want current LDS members to open their hearts. Yeah, to somebody who's different than they are. Yeah. How boring to be, everybody has to be exactly the same and act like a bunch of robots when there's not a lot of room for creativity. Yeah. yeah. Why can't everybody be welcome? And until that point, all the young people growing up in every ward in the whole globe will have gay, transgender, non-binary, bisexual, lesbian children who mm-hmm. are not protected. So it must happen. Absolutely. Yeah. What encourages me is how many more bishops there are now who are more educated, more aware, either by having somebody in their own family or uh, by having more experience. It's by no means anywhere near where we want it to be, but it certainly is better than it was 10 years ago. You know, I think about that as well. All of my kids have friends who are LGBTQA. I mean, their mom is gay, A, um, but they have friends who are, and it's not weird for them. Like when I came out of the closet to them, I was expecting them to be crying and wailing. Oh, mom's going to and hell. And gnashing of teeth and rending of Yeah, gnashing their teeth, all that <laughs> stuff. But they were like, okay, so mom's gay, whatever, what's on the radio? It just was like a normal thing. And I think the more it's normal and the more they have gay friends, the more they're going to kind of kick back at the leadership when the leadership tries to make it seem like being gay is an abomination. 
So yeah, lots of hope for the younger generation, for sure. Well, and it's easier to alienate or other someone who isn't sitting in the pews with you. Yes. And when queer people are sitting in the pews, sitting with your families, it's a lot harder to other that person that you already love. Such a good point. It's interesting too. I see it with my own kids because they are growing up definitely in a non-traditional Mormon environment and that they have a queer mom who uh, <laughs> takes them to pride parades as much as Love we go to see Motab. <laughs> <laughs> and for them, in some ways, just the idea of, oh, there are people who are, you know, uh, heterosexist and cissexist, like mm-hmm. that is almost the foreign idea to them. Yeah. And I just have so much hope looking at the younger generations. I'm like, let's just put them in charge. I can't wait to see what they're going to do. It's Mm going to be amazing. It'll definitely be a more inclusive church for sure. And I'm hoping they'll like liven up the hymns too, because the hymns make me want to fall asleep. Like, let's be honest. We need drums. (laughs) We do. So you need an evangelical church is what you're saying. Yeah. So so when I was starting to leave the church, I I started attending this non-denominational Christian church. And I loved it because they had the guitar and the drum and they were singing all these worship songs and it was loud. You went to an evangelical church, I think. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is, but (laughs) I loved it. And then I went back to a Mormon church for like someone's farewell or something. And I was like, oh my gosh, you people, how are you not all asleep? Like no one's even singing. Um, So yeah, we we could use some some gayness in the hymns. Yeah, and I can't join the Mormon church because I want the priesthood too bad. I'm sorry. I just want it. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, Let's see. We have another question And the here. eternal family thing. I'm like, no, I had enough in this life. I'm <laughs> you good. You don't want, I don't really you don't have want anything in common with these people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. One, know, one right? go around was enough. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't want to be like a mother in Zion forever because it's like I had seven kids. I <laughs> yeah, served my you, you time. I that. don't want to do mm-hmm. that for eternity. I just want to like <laughs> pet puppies and kittens and eat bread. <laughs> well, as long as there's bread and carbs, we're good. <laughs> I know. You got mm-hmm. the carbs thing. I know. I need wine. You got to throw some and wine. wine in well, there. Well, Jesus is going to be there, so there's going to be wine. I'd be a horrible Mormon. <laughs> I want all the bad things. <laughs> it's true about me. Uh, okay, Lisa, question for you. What options do people have when they don't have insurance? Because I know so many people write in and they're distraught and they're having a rough time and they're at the end of their rope here. And I'm like, have you found a therapist? And they're always saying, I, I don't have the it. money. I can't yeah. afford it. What can you tell us about help for them? Well, there are some really lovely options for people who can't afford therapy. The universities that are in whatever city you're in usually have therapists who are at least trained in cultural competency that are low cost, like $15 mm-hmm. a session. Almost every nice. uh, university has some sort oh my of God, that's amazing. community clinic. It's unfortunately a well-kept secret. The community clinics don't want it to be well-kept, but it, it doesn't seem to get around. Well, it's getting around now on the podcast. <laughs> tell you what. Right. Cats on the bag. <laughs> and then uh, at Flourish here, we also have um, sliding scale so that people who can't afford therapy are not turned away. We have about 20% of our clients pay zero because they really can't wow. afford it. I would say probably about 40% pay less than $25. That's awesome. That's fantastic. That's just, that's amazing. That yeah. makes me just feel so happy. Thanks to people and organizations like Latter-day Lesbian. Aww, <laughs> thank, you. thank you, Lisa. Group We're hug. trying. Group hug. We're, <laughs> We're doing our part. When we started the podcast, we had no idea where it would go, and we really feel so thankful that we are at the point now where we can give back, and we're making differences in people's lives, and that people want to contribute because they know we're going to use some of that to help others. So it's just this big love fest, Yeah, and it's fantastic. Uh, Lisa, I wanted to ask you really quickly, um, I know you remember when I asked you, what do we do when minors write in, you know, under 18 and they don't know what to do and I can't do anything for them. They're someone else's kid. And you gave me some very good advice. Do you want to elaborate on that a bit? Do I remember it? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You don't have to admit that you forgot. Pretend you were just asked for the first time. (laughs) Okay. So if a child writes in, say a 16-year-old writes in and says, I know I'm gay. I'm being raised in this Mormon household. I'm, I'm afraid to go to someone. I feel suicidal. Yeah. I don't know where to turn. What can someone who is not this child's parent do to help them as far as Flourish is concerned? Well, if it's someone that the young person trusts, just having a conversation with that young person is not therapy. So anybody mm-hmm. can have a conversation with a young person. And the major thing we want to do is just persuade them to let their parent know that they're depressed and that they need therapy. They don't actually have to come out to their parent to say that. Most parents are interested in getting their children some help if they feel like their children are depressed. 
to actually engage in therapy, then they do have to have a parent's permission. But almost anybody can just talk with a young person and let them know that their questions are meaningful, their concerns matter, that what's going on for them is exactly probably what they need in order to move forward, that their heart is good and that they're wanted. Yeah. That's the the main message we want young people to have. Beautiful. I love it. I I think I remember you saying that a youth can come in for like a a free first initial session. Any youth can come in and just talk to a therapist about what the options are and what a good way to talk to parents is. Yep. Just get that uh, initial consultation, which is not a therapy session. It's Mm -hmm. just a how-to. Gotcha. And do you have a facility there in Orem that they can go to or do they call? Okay, cool. Where's that located? It's at 1426 East 820 North in Orem. Okay. And the, the very best thing to do is to email us at Flourish Therapy, which is info at flourishtherapy.org. But you can also just email me at lisa at flourishtherapy.org. I'm happy to respond, um, answer questions, and uh, talk to parents who also have questions. And uh, parents sometimes like to know that um, I am still engaged with the church and that's mm-hmm. helpful to them. Yeah. And for young people too, if they are worried that somehow therapists are going to take them far afield or therapists are going to give advice, that isn't what happens. Right. That would be comforting for the parents as well, I think. Well, I had a question about that. Do you ever have parents that think maybe it's conversion therapy or they don't agree that you're not teaching them to be straight? Does that ever happen? What typically happens is a parent says, I think my child is going through a phase. I think my child has been persuaded by her best friend because her best friend is lesbian. I don't really think my daughter is lesbian. Can you help her delay this or get through this phase fast? And so having a session with the parents where the parents get to talk about their fears and the parents Mm -hmm. feel understood at the end of whatever that is, what usually happens is I share with them it's really not helpful for the child to think that parents think it's a phase. Mm-hmm. Because then the child feels invalidated and that harms mm-hmm. the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That kids tend to do better when they feel like their parents believe in them as what they say they are. I've described for some parents, you'll feel like you're at the end of a whip sometimes. Like <laughs> your kid says this one day and then they say something else the next day. So many parents say, I don't really believe my daughter's a lesbian. She really was just boy crazy last week. <laughs> they just can't get it in their heads that yeah. their child has something that's really going on for them. And it's important to take seriously boy craziness and girl craziness and just Mm -hmm. validating the whole experience so their kid has a chance of paying attention to their own feelings and not just what they think the world wants of them. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, that's great because you're salvaging the relationship with the parent and the child as well. The other interesting thing about phases too is that I don't feel like they need to necessarily be delegitimizing because as someone who's come from a bisexual perspective and constantly Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's just a phase or you're not legitimately queer or whatever it is, it's really okay to honor all our phases too. Sometimes I felt more hetero. Sometimes I felt like a full-on lesbian. And sometimes I'm just not interested in any of y'all. And (laughs) so the point is, whatever that phase is, we're all fluid. We're all fluctuating. We're all going through changes. And it's okay to honor all those phases. Mm, If if we weaponize the phase to try to delegitimize someone, that's when we have a problem. That because this is a phase, it's somehow not legitimate. Well, what if it's just a phase and it's legitimate at the same time? Absolutely. Yeah, so I guess a parent shouldn't be waiting for the child to move through the phase in hopes that it's different. It's just embrace who the child is in the moment. And whatever happens, happens. Where the child lands, they land. And it's not... Exactly. You know, it's funny. So many of these parents really are the ones who need the therapy because they're so worried (laughs) about what everyone thinks of them. That's true. You know, I can't be the one to have a gay child. What will everyone think of me? I got to be the perfect person or perfect Christian. My mom lost her mind when my oldest brother didn't serve a mission. She's like, what are the neighbors going to think? What's right. the ward going to think? Yeah. It was all about the shame on the mom. In turn, it puts a lot of pressure on the kid. Oh, for sure. But the parent being so worried that their kid has to fit this box and do all of the right things or else they get shamed. Like, look, oh, but I you have seven kids. This. One's going to be in prison. One's going to be a millionaire. I don't know which one's so, going to do what, but I just the have thing to is, it. it's like Shelly <laughs> went through this too. So she was telling me a story one time 
that she was expecting her kids to go on a mission and they needed to learn to play the piano mm-hmm. because just in case they were in a mission somewhere and let's say the pianist was sick or there was some lonely <laughs> piano up at the front, nobody was playing, yeah. the DeWitt boys would come in and fill in for the pianist. Yeah, piano emergency. Yeah, so they had, we have a piano emergency, so they had to learn to play the piano. <laughs> yeah, and then when they That's wouldn't a lot practice, of pressure. When they wouldn't practice, in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, your missions are going to be See, ruined. See, that's so you, much yeah. pressure. This is yeah. my point. These parents have so much pressure that they're putting on their kids yeah. to check all the boxes and be mm-hmm. this perfect Mormon kid. I'm sure the kid. kids feel that too. Of course. And now I'm like, basically stay out of prison and I'm cool. <laughs> like, great. <laughs> just be, can we all just Most be kind of you. people? Most of you stay out of prison. <laughs> Let's just try to be kind, good people. Yeah, yeah. This is well, why parents of LGBT kids really become the best parents ever. You know what? That is so true. Let me um, tell a story really quickly. When we went to Sam Young's March last October, I want to say, and we did kind of a recorded live podcast at a coffee shop, and one of the gentlemen there in the audience came up to us afterward and said, I was that teenager who used to drive past the gay bar in Salt Lake and throw rocks at the gay people. I hated them. I, I was so mean until my daughter came out of the closet. Yeah. And I loved her so much that I had to figure this out. I had to change my ways. And now he's a total ally. Yeah. Actually, two of their kids are LGBTQ now. Wow. Such an ally. And he was just tearfully apologizing yeah. for how he used to be. And so well, you're he right. he was taught when, to be that way. Yeah, so. he was taught to be that <laughs> yeah. way. And so when a parent can actually fully love their kid, that would make the best ally and the best person to understand that entire population. What a good point. Yeah, and it makes them better parents to their other kids, too. Oh, I'm sure. I'm still waiting for one of my kids to come out. I have seven, and so far none of them have, and I'm very disappointed. Hilarious. Uh, So I wanted to ask Blair a little bit about what you're doing with your book. Pitch your book to us. Yeah, pitch your book. Tell us all about it. Um, Other than being the best book ever written in queer Mormonism (laughs) ever. um... Well, we knew knew that. (laughs) So it's queer Mormon theology. So basically it takes the basic tenets of Mormonism, everything from like God and Jesus Christ and the atonement and the plan of salvation, and it basically demonstrates where queer people can fit into this narrative, where queer people can fit into families and how we talk about eternal progression, even so far as reproductive technologies for same-sex couples, Mm -hmm. um, radical technologies for trans people, and all sorts of things, and how it is incorporated into the Mormon narrative. Wow. Um, It also goes into diving in some of the common refutations about why queer people can't be uh, in Mormon theology, like, you know, two lesbians can't make a baby, or um, the proclamation says. And so I actually have one chapter dedicated to the proclamation and demonstrating how um, queer people can fit in the proclamation as well. That's actually my favorite chapter. It's going to wow. blow minds. This makes me want to give another talk in sacrament meetings. <laughs> but um, it's uh, hopefully coming out this June, this summer, this June. Okay. Uh, doing everything I can to have it out ready for Pride Month. So really oh, excited yeah. about nice. it. It's really a first of its kind. Where will this be available for purchase when it comes out? I'm publishing through By Common Consent Press, and it will be available on Amazon. Okay. Love it. We will actually be in Utah for Utah Pride again this summer. Yeah, we should get together. We'll have a booth at the festival like we did last year. We would love to meet you all in person. Uh, maybe go to your offices, see what you do. I would I would love, love that, that if you all would be happy to do that. Yeah. Sweet. We'd love to yeah. host you. Yay. Um, how do we get a copy of your book to President Nelson? That's what I want to know. Let's <laughs> slip him a copy. You know, I am tempted to do individualized letters to the Q15 and mail them a personal copy of my book along with my personalized letter for each of them. Is that the quorum? quorum? <laughs> the highest ranking brethren of the church. I thought yeah. it was twelve. It's 15? Well, it's 12, but there's the there's the head honchos. There's okay. the president. Or I can't the, keep the, up. I know. Seriously. It's, 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 Sorry. I, I get too <laughs> deep into the Mormon lingo sometimes. So before you send those to the 15, we have Latter-day Lesbian podcast stickers. So if we could send you some and you stick those in uh-huh. the book, that would be The ones um, that you're sending to Nelson and everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you send me those stickers and I'll make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There's probably one more thing I, I want to cover if we have a minute. Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. Unfortunately, about 90 95, maybe even as much as 96 or 7% of LGBT young people who grew up in the church do actually seriously have um, or claim that they experienced a suicidal period of time, a crisis time, mm, when they couldn't tell their parents, couldn't talk about it. Yeah. And parents have a difficult time conceptualizing this because they're often the best kids mm-hmm. and they, they don't understand it. And so they think there's something wrong with their child and they want that fixed. 
Mm-hmm. But I think it's helpful to understand the basic theory about suicidal ideation, which is that people who do not feel like they belong, it's called thwarted belongingness. It's called the joiner model of suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. When people feel like there's something they want to belong to, but they can't belong to it, that creates the first step in thinking about suicide. So uh. if, if parents can say, whatever happens, you're going to belong with us. There's nothing that can make you not belong to me. I don't care what anybody else says. You will always belong to me. No matter what choices you make in life, no matter what your identity is, that will never be lost. That can actually help uh, keep kids from thinking about suicide. So I just want to throw that in there. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I love I, that. I think when we um, promote this episode, we will definitely invite our Mormon friends who have quit listening to the podcast at this point to say this is really one that everyone should listen to. That yeah. It's very serious about what you can do to help your child. I mean, child. we all want to be part of a group. We, Absolutely. It's ingrained in yeah, us. Yeah, as human we beings. Belong. We, yeah, yeah. We, need to, we need our tribe. We need our people. Absolutely. We need, yeah. And you don't want to feel like you're on the outside. That's a horrible feeling. It's a horrible, lonely, desperate, horrible feeling. And that's why they um, to split off this personality is so that they can actually belong because that's the drive is to belong. Well, I definitely hope that as time continues, that parents will be more open and accepting and the church will be more open and accepting as people, you know, stand up for love, stand up for being actually Christ-like and loving and accepting people. That'll be a fantastic day. (laughs) What a great idea. Yeah, we're all doing our part, right? Let's get there. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for being on. This has been a great discussion. So, thank you so, so much for inviting us. Of course. And patrons, if you're listening out there or all of our listeners, Flourish Therapy, this is what you are helping when you join our cause here. So just so you know, this is what we're doing with it. And it's yep. so worth it. We didn't hoard the money. We actually paid it. We did it. not hoard the money. <laughs> it was tempting. <laughs> all those billions. <laughs> well, thank you both. Shelly, I think we should take just one final break. And when we come back, do some patrons and whatever other announcements. I am in complete agreement. (laughs) Well, that doesn't always happen. (laughs) It never happens. No, it does mostly happen. Oh, thanks, baby. You're a lover, not a fighter. It's true. Generally. Mostly. Be right back. We are supported by New Dating App. Dating is difficult under even normal circumstances. Then try explaining your nutty religious upbringing to someone. Yeah, like the weird looks you get when you throw out expressions like, uh, what is that? Health in the navel, marrow in the, I don't know. Bones. Bones, okay. Strength in the loins and the seniors. Okay, listeners, maybe don't do that. No, don't do it. And now that you've left Mormonism, you've probably been kicked out of the singles ward. So now what? Download new an ex-Mormon dating app available on both Android and iPhone. Get ready to find post-Mormon love with someone who understands your background. Visit newdating.app and learn more. We are back mm-hmm. with some patrons. What else you got? You got more stuff to talk about? Just patrons. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about Should some I just patrons. read through them? <laughs> yeah, let's just speed right through them. Angeli, Desea, Bryn, Stephanie, Joanna, thank you for joining. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> oh, I would never. <laughs> They're like, oh, crying mm-hmm. silent tears mm-hmm. right now. Now, we need to give them a little bit more love than okay. that. Okay. Patron number one. Patron number one. And it's weird we have five again. Oh, that is yeah, weird. It's crazy. Huh. Angeli K. Angeli. Angeli. K. It's A N G E L I E, not Angela, Angeli. Okay. K. Angeli K. Thank you. Thank you so much. Next is spelled D I S E A. Pronounce that for me. I'm going to go with Desea. Ooh, I like it's that. Lu- it's like kind of luxurious sounding. Very like exotic. It is. So Desea, if that's not correct, you let us know. Let us know. We'll fix it. We will fix it. But I kind of thought it was sexy the way I just said it. Say it again. Desea. Ooh. A new fragrance by L'Oreal. <laughs> or so. Do they make fragrances? Probably not. <laughs> A new fragrance like Jean Nate. <laughs> Jean Nate. Okay. Okay, sorry. Next. Bryn W. Bryn, did you get the coffee and are you enjoying it? Ooh, $20 patron. Yeah. Nice. Thank, Thank you Bryn. so much. Next, Stephanie S. And Stephanie S. is also a channel subscriber. Oh, fun. Uh, no, it's fun getting to know Stephanie better through channels. That's great. Does anyone else want to join channels? Anyone? We anyone? will do a plug Any? for that right okay. after this. Okay, cool. Last, Joanna E. Oh, thank e is you. for effervescent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joanna Effervescent. <laughs> I know we didn't give the other ones last names. Um, Anjali with a K, kangaroo. There's not a lot of K words. <laughs> There's lots of K words. Kite, king, 
Kangaroo was better. Kellogg's. Koala. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Desia. 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 Did not give us. Oh, well, she doesn't need a last name. Mm-hmm. Bryn W. Wonka. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's because she's sweet like candy. Oh, yeah. Stephanie S. Um, Stephanie Shelley. Her oh. last name is my first name. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you all for joining us on Patreon. And this episode was kind of special about Patreon because we had the Flourish ladies here. And as a reminder, technically 5% of all Patreon funds go to that cause. The other 5% goes to Sam Young's Protect Every Child. Child. Yes. Yeah. Two amazing. Both great causes. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode today. I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Channels. So as a reminder, if you would like to get in on some video chats, those are a lot of fun. I recently posted about my ridiculous stay at a bed and breakfast in Birmingham <laughs> and literally Victorian Christmas threw up. In that place. And the, the crazy thing, I wasn't there, thank God. But Mary's sending me these pictures, and there's literally price tags on everything well, you can see. It's yeah. like you stayed at a flea market. More it, like an antique store. Flea market, garage sale, whatever. Like, what's it like to wake up in the morning and just be like, everything around me has a price tag? Well, you don't want to touch everything because it's very grandma and everything looks very fragile. The lamps, the little teacups. We all had to refill our coffee like 25 times because the little tiny teacups <laughs> were ridiculous. Uh, Seriously. This is why I don't trust be- bed and breakfast. <laughs> there were doilies everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You remember when we stayed in West Virginia and we were hoping to Oh, yeah, be we were like, at a bed and breakfast. Yeah. I was thinking a bed and breakfast, it's like kind of colonial sort of because that's kind of the vibe there okay there were like alpacas <laughs> it was a weird combo it was a weird of combo. doilies and alpacas <laughs> and like that those old roses that were just oh, yeah. dried out and <laughs> dripping flower petals on the kitchen table it was awesome <laughs> enough about us though you guys just go enjoy now your i just want to stay in wacky bed and beds and breakfasts <laughs> we could just do a to whole see what it's like <laughs> about wacky bed and breakfasts <laughs> yeah that was an experience mm-hmm. oh but the price tags are because the place was sold it's going out of business Oh, I know. They actually have another property, uh-huh. and I guess that's the big house, she said, even though this seemed like a Is really big, big house. Is the big house full of Christmas as well? Oh, probably. <laughs> I didn't go over there, but I can only imagine. There you go. Anyway, mm-hmm. so that's what you're missing out on <laughs> by not being a member of I our channel. I gave it to her. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was good. I gave it to her of that <laughs> <Sure> weird house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so join us on channels. Long story longer. Please join us on Marco Polo channels. It's super fun. If you want more information, go to latterdaylesbian.org slash polo. I like it. Still can't get Android users quite up and running. Sometime right? this month, in March. It will okay. Be up. Yes. All right. Anytime. To our any moment inside now. Inside person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any moment now. Okay. Thanks, everybody. I want to give a special thank you to Dan at Extension Audio. Thank you, Dan. Leave it in, Dan. Appreciate that. And for the rest of you, remember, steer clear of cults, because they are no joke. No joke. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Talk to y'all later. Bye-bye.